Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommy's. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed. And well, it's not just hello, is it? It's Happy New Year because it's our first one of 2023. And um, I think I feel like I've said this every new year for the last few years. It's like, yeah, glad to get that last one out of the way. Hope this one's a lot better. And I'm not sure if it will be. But anyway, Happy New Year. Have Liverpool fans got a good 2023 to look forward to, do you reckon? We didn't start off great, did they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they say start the year as you mean to go on, but hopefully we don't. Uh, so, yeah, if it's this is what's to come, then we're in for a long one. But, yeah, um, New Year wishes to everyone else. And hopefully, you know, uh, we were saying just before the podcast about doing, you know, dry January and maybe we, we boost out a bit too much over Christmas. And I'm hoping, I'm just giving them the benefits of the doubt and say maybe the, the lad just had a couple too many Pigs in blankets and a couple of uh, sneaky beers. That the hangover is is a uh, what's been felt over the last few days. But you know that's a very much glass half full optimistic sort of approach there. Yeah, you think so? You'd hope that like whereas we get like a bit of you know you might get a couple of bottles of red wine in your, in your Christmas presents and things like that. That they've got like mountains of, of booze and chocolates and stuff to get off each other, and they just went mad on it. They just thought, let's get this out of the way. Get, let's get the, get all this eaten before the new year, and that's just what's made them like that. But yeah, I mean, I mean, last time we recorded, we just finished the World Cup, and well, we haven't, but it had just finished, and we were kind of looking forward, hoping, hoping, hoping that it was a change for what had gone on before the season was was halted by the World Cup, because um, we sort of went into that World Cup starting to find our feet again. But it feels like since Christmas, it's kind of kind of more of the same that. We're, we're sort of inconsistent. You don't really know what's going to happen. And, um, you know, we're, we're sort of capable of beating anyone on the day still. I still think we've got that about us. But we're just also capable of being beaten by anyone on the day. And I'm not that bothered about the Carabao Cup. I mean, it's great when you win it, don't get me wrong. But I just thought, you know, first game back, half the squad missing. It's, you know, it's a bit of a lottery anyway in that sense. And we didn't we didn't win, but, you know, we weren't sort of white, white away completely. Um, we just lost, it's done, it's over and done with, forget about that for now. And it's now, of course, going to be the FA Cup after this little couple of league games we've had over Christmas. But um, we sort of, I thought we sort of, I don't know, against Leicester, it felt like we kind of got lucky. I mean, two amazing on goals, 
otherwise maybe we wouldn't have won. But yeah, we got lucky. We weren't we weren't terrible, but we weren't good enough. And I think that to me is sort of the issue at the moment with Liverpool. It's that not so much that we're terrible and after a game when you're angry you kinda of talk that way, but when you sort of calm down a bit you think, Well, we're not terrible. But it feels like we're just not good enough. Yeah, that was it was a bit of a, sh- a weirdly shit one, <laughs> the Leicester <laughs> game, because it was, you know, a Friday night and like before New Year, and it was just a weird sort of vibe going into it. Like, you know, obviously having the the pleasure of going to the game, um, not not through pleasure that I was hungover because I'd been out excessively the day before. So I was thinking, well, <laughs> if the Reds play well, it'll cheer me up, and they didn't. Um, so. We, we were lucky to get away with that one. I can't wholeheartedly remember the Aston Villa game too much, but I think we rolled our luck a couple of times. Um, but to come away with a 3-1 victory on Boxing Day was a was a decent result um, at Villa. And then, yeah, going mm-hmm. into Leicester, picking up another three points, you thought, like, you know, we're putting a little run together. And as it stood, going into the Brentford game on Monday, um, yeah, Monday, um Results have gone our way in terms of, you know, Newcastle drop points, uh, Chelsea drop points again. Um, I think United won, Spurs have dropped points. So, like, the opportunity sort of arisen for us to close a, close a gap that had obviously opened up in the earlier parts of the season on teams in and around us because if we're all wholeheartedly honoured, the title's well and truly gone. We've said that before. But mm-hmm. if the top four is the goal, then you've got to look at those teams between probably third and seven for Leaf, um because as it stands Man City and Arsenal are streets ahead so those teams in and around us a few of them have dropped points the opportunity presents itself um, as only Liverpool of probably six or seven years ago could do when an opportunity arises we faltered um, and we didn't just falter we, we really literally embarrassed ourselves it's nice. I, I would say first half against Leicester we were poor on most of the field, but we thought like we were in the game. I just thought against Brentford, um, it was men against boys, and this very often you've said that in in terms of against Liverpool, it's usually the other way around. But that that game, we we certainly looked inferior for probably eighty, seventy five, eighty minutes. There was a ten minute spell in the second half where we we tried another go, and other than that, it was just nothing there other than you know potentially an absolute spank and only that VAR intervened on several occasions yeah yeah and I think I mean someone was saying to me what what happened to Liverpool against Brentford and you obviously think of lots and lots of different things but the other one that kind of worries me about Liverpool a bit is sometimes when we go to grounds where they've got noisy home fans we seem to just struggle that we're like we're frightened almost that you know it's that thing that, I mean, it kind of happens to us in FA Cup early rounds. You go and play a team a couple of divisions below you. They're all up for it. The whole town's out. It's like the, the highlight of their lives almost, you know, not boasting, but, you know, the turnout's always amazing for those games. And then we're like, we're frightened. You know, we're almost shell-shocked. And it felt like we were like that again. They, You know, they had a good backing from the home fans. They were fully behind the team. Um, and it just... I don't know, we just seemed intimidated. And I think maybe I'm clutching at straws, really, overall. But, you know, we've... If you count the games just since the World Cup, the game against City, the game against Villa, against Leicester, against Brentford, we've conceded far too many goals. I mean, we've conceded three three goals in two of them. 
and two in the other. We haven't had a clean sheet. And I think that record goes back, um, you know, quite a way. I've not got the, the whole fixture list up in front of me, but that, that was kind of being quoted quite a bit in games of sorrow over Christmas that we haven't had a clean sheet in ages. Obviously twisted by the TV. I haven't had a clean sheet since November. We haven't played a game for most of that time kind of thing. But anyway, um, it's just like the, the defense doesn't seem to be what it was, but if Van Dyke's been playing maybe not up to a hundred percent because he had to go off the other day and maybe there's been something niggling and then the whole back four, I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, have we played a back four the same two games running this season? We probably haven't. It just feels like we've been um, chopping and changing all the time. And not because Klopp's been tinkering with the side necessarily, but just either players aren't fit or, you know, the frequency of games means he's having to try and spread them out a bit more. So, I don't know. Obviously, I think we're going to get onto the transfer window and whether anything needs to be done, but... Um, the obvious things people are talking about is the new signing up front and the complete bereftness of signings in the middle of the park. But it feels like the back four might need some looking at because it's all well and good when all the, the you know, the first choice back four are fit and firing, but anything else, and we seem to struggle and there's something not right if we're conceding so many goals. Yeah, just, just on the goals alone, we've not kept a clean sheet since the 19th of October, obviously mm. the World Cup. It's a caveat to that, but weirdly enough, we've not kept a clean sheet outside of Merseyside. Um, so we've only kept four all season, three of them at home to Bournemouth, City and West Ham, and then the other one was away at Goodison Park. So that is a big cause for concern. Um, and yes, we've had you know a chop and change sort of back four, as you've said. And um, you know, it, it's... Down to personal opinion, horses for courses. They say like some people prefer Massive, some people prefer Canate. I think the other three lads, Robertson, Trent, and Virgil, and obviously Ali in, in goal, fills in for themselves. Um, but we don't seem to have had a consistent run of any of those back four. And as you say, whether it be Virgil and Massive or Virgil and Canate, um, I don't think we've strung two or three games together and. As it stands now, given the news this week, well, Virgil's going to be out for anything between four to six weeks, given you know your, your average sort of hamstring injury without it being a full tear. If it's just a strain, it's usually four to six weeks. So, you know, that then would probably say, well, it's a rotation between Gomez, Canate and Matip, and we probably are going to chop and change for the next half a dozen games so again the the level of consistency and continuity isn't there and again it doesn't fill you with any sort of hope that we're gonna we're nail down a you know a bedrock of clean sheets so are you that person who has everything the coolest merch and those must-have fan threads well over at our anfield index shop we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your liverpool collection from our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop 
or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I don't know. Maybe we do need to to look at the the back line, but I think if we're all wholeheartedly honest with ourselves, if our transfer policies couldn't be running the way it is, if the need for a defender is probably second or third priority on the list, then it probably means it's coming in twenty twenty five. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, you know, you're struggling for defenders, and I, and I don't mean this in any kind of a bad way. But if Nat Phillips is on the bench, then we're you know we're clearly sort of running through. You know, we're sort of going down our list of defenders because you know. Is is what he what he what he is is a useful player to have in your squad, but what you really hope is that you don't have to get to the stage where he's playing because you want all your sort of better, more experienced, more skillful players um, to be available. But it's just not happening. I mean, we've had Gomez playing as well. Of course, he's he's had to slot in at, at right back and at centre back in different games for different reasons. It's just been it's just been been a nightmare. But yeah, um, transfers don't seem to be the top priority for the club at the moment for the money men at the moment and um we don't know what's going on with the takeover despite regular rumors and things where people claim to do, to say they do it doesn't feel like there's any major rush to sort of sell us as such but at the same time there doesn't seem to be any major rush to bring money in that's going to be used on transfers and it feels like financial fair play's gone out of the window so what what are we going to do but I suppose let's have a, a bit of a positive moment then with, with transfers because we did actually get a deal done. I think it, you know, it finally got confirmed the other day. I mean, there was a bit of a delay because I'm, I'm sure that whilst the FA might be working busily all Christmas, ready to, uh, ready to pounce anytime they can on giving someone a fine for something, you know, work permits and things like that aren't really down to the FA or the Premier League. It's down to, people in government and yeah everyone's on strike at the minute aren't they no one's working properly and the government don't really want to have anything working so no doubt um there would have been a bit of a delay but is here Cody Gakpo a, a play we spoke about at some point in the World Cup because it just sounded like a a sort of attempted you know so when people are just trying to put two and two together you see a good player play a game in a World Cup you think of some clubs that might like him and you kind of make up a story it felt almost like that but no um, maybe the story was made up, but behind the scenes, we actually were doing some business. And I think for all the criticism we have at this stage, he's yet to play. He could hopefully play, make his debut in the FA Cup. He's yet to play, but he does look like a really good signing for us, young um, and capable. Yeah, I think we, we did bring him up a couple of times and he he was one of those sort of breakout stars, if you want to put it in sort of abbreviated uh Commas that he he was probably on the names of people who watch European football on a regular basis, but given PSV being the Europa League, it's probably one that you've to the common football fan you've maybe heard it but not really seen him. Um, and that was sort of the first time I'd seen any sort of action from him. And he he did look a talent. He he's got a lot to his game, and the the speed of the transfer was what was was surprising because usually, you know, with most of the cases, players are sort of drawn out of fairs for at least a few days, but it was the name, I think, popped up on Boxing Day. Mm. And then by the 28th, it was pretty much confirmed, obviously all but, as you say, the, the legalities of the paperwork because, heaven forbid, you know, the FA should actually do any genuine work other than, <laughs> you know, they show fines like traffic wardens, but even then they don't do them very efficiently or in a timely manner. Um, looking at, you know, the way Mr Arteta was acting the other day and 
Klopp was vilified for that, but all of a sudden when Arteta done it, it was seemingly funny. Yeah, um, strange that. Strange, strange. But um, he, he, look, he looks like he, he'll fit in. You know, he's, he's got the right profile. I think he's 23, 24, mm. maybe, maybe 25 at the end of the season. I think I heard. Could be wrong on that, but I'm sure, um, you know, he's got a good ground and he's obviously spent a lot of time in the Dutch league, but he's probably done enough time there to develop and hone his skills. You see a lot of players who come through in, you know, the, the Ajax PSV sort of fine odd systems and plucked away at twenty twenty one, and then sometimes it's too much too soon. Um, but he seems to have stayed a little bit longer and, and honed his skills and, He's led that team as a captain, and you know if if we look back to to previous players we've had like from the Dutch sort of setup, like names that come to mind instantly is Dirk Kout and Jeannie Wijnaldum, and um, you know they were loyal servants in terms of the time at the club, always gave a hundred percent, and probably once they left, and I'm not wishing Cody Gakpo to leave anytime soon because he's only just arrived. But when you look at the, the impact them players had sometimes you wish that we'd held on to them a little longer mm. especially in the case of Wine Alden as our couldn't midfield uh, stands you know we, we could really do with him and you know the same with Dirk House he, he gave us all and sometimes you know them players are underappreciated and only when they go are they actually fully appreciated for what they do and if Gapo comes in and has that impact where you know we we actually realise what we've got at the time and, and fully appreciate him then hopefully, you know, we've got a player on our hands. Yeah, definitely. He's um he's twenty three and his birthday's on the seventh of May, so we'll be twenty four. Sort of just come like you say, coming to the end of the season. Makes you feel old when you see like a multi million pound signing was born in nineteen ninety nine, but well it makes me feel old anyway. But anyway, he's he's six foot four as well according to Wikipedia. And that is something you know, I saw people talking about him that that's one of the surprises that He's not six foot four and then, you know, it almost sounds too tall for a, well, effectively a winger, doesn't it? But he's not. He's, he's, um, he's, he's, you know, he's, he could be deceiving. You know, he's, he's a tall, but, but quick and nimble player from what people are saying. And he's, um, he's, he's joining us just when we need him because we've got these shortages up front. He's hopefully going to hit the ground running. And I think something you just mentioned about our other Dutch players, something they've had is, um, whatever skill sets they've got, whatever attributes they've got physically and mentally and all, all that kind of stuff. The one sort of, if you like, mental attribute that's been best about them is just their attitude and the willingness to win and the way that, you know, they try their best. They put everything into it. Um, I mean, I can remember times when Dirk Hout was, was criticized by people. I've heard plenty of people complaining about Genie. Um, they've probably gone very quiet since he left and they've realized what we're missing. But the thing is, they are, in my view, they've always put everything in. They always put a hundred percent into every game, and and the same, of course, with um, the player that that Cody's kind of emulated this Christmas by having his photo taken in front of the tree with a shirt in his hand. He's done that sort of thing. He's joined in the January window. He's probably going to make his debut in an FA Cup game. Um, Virgil is the sort of epitome of of um, a model professional who's wherever his skill is on top of that is just that attitude and that that determination to win and and to do the right thing and i'm hoping cody's another one and from what everyone's saying that sounds like he is he's got he's got that side to his game as well and that's that's something i think is important anyone who kind of came into liverpool and became in charge of the transfer committee or whatever we call it these days 
has got to know that it's not just about watching a load of YouTube videos or, or scouting a player and seeing how good he's on the pitch. It's sometimes what goes around that, you know, all the other stuff that goes around it. And I think, from what I can gather, he's definitely got that. Yeah, um, I think, you know, if you forget about Virgil being <laughs> a Dutch player because uh, you just assume he's just always Liverpool. He's a scouts um, player, isn't he? That's the thing, you think? <laughs> yeah, and I think, that, you know, timely, actually, that you speak about him and the time that we signed Virgil, it was ironically his debut was in the FA Cup third round against Everton and he, he towered home that header. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's FA Cup third round weekend this weekend, timely enough. Um so yeah, I you know, he he done that that sort of maybe cheeky recruitment that maybe Jordan the World Cup, all them pictures of Bellingham and Trent and Henderson, <laughs> and maybe we, we weren't looking at exactly where we should have been looking. <laughs> it was Gaffo and Virgil. That was actually the the real sort of you know tapping up that was taking place, um, but he, he he was linked to Man United, so I think you know he's probably said like, well, let's be honest, here, Mace, do you really want to go there? The ground's falling apart. Um, at least we're you know building a decent one, um, or at least extending the, like some ends a bit rather than fixing the taps and the leaks in the roof. If we got leaks in our defence, we'll try and fix them as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it it, it just like a, a nice feeling and. Then, yeah, I like I'd like what you said about the uh, the picture of the Christmas tree and the, the shirt. It, it felt like it had to be done. Yeah, um, I, I we would have been disappointed as a fan base. So not that we we don't like to moan anyway. Um, no, like had that picture not been sort of recreated, so it, it does it does fill you with a little bit of like excitement. And as we touched on earlier, that the disappointment of the last results, but going into the weekend. Um, when this is released, it may well potentially be after the Wolves game, so you may well have seen Gapo in a Liverpool shirt, and it it just sort of gives you that little sort of you know tingle of excitement. Like I say, with the Virgil and the FA Cup thing, like we all knew Virgil was going to play in that game, and pardon any sort of you know mysterious accidents or whatever, then we should see Gapo against Wolves, whether that be from the start or whether that be from the bench, and regardless of what's going on in the game um, or what happened in the game, whenever they say when this is released, I'm sure the moment when he gets his first touch or whether he comes onto the pitch or whether he starts and he leaves the pitch, it'll be you know, a good moment to be in the ground for. It'll be lucky, again, as I always say, to be there and witness it. Um, and hopefully he gives us the same sort of impact instantly that Virgil gave us on, on his FA Cup debut. Yeah, Um I think whether he plays or not, the only question I'd have on that, whether he starts or plays the whole game, is how fit he actually is, like how much fit he actually is, given that um, I'm assuming he's come straight from the World Cup and just basically been training since then. He's not actually had a competitive game. I might be wrong, but I don't think he would have done. So that's that's about the only question mark. But really, I'm pretty sure he can be up and running really quickly anyway. I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. And I was just thinking as well, like we can be critical of the the transfers at the club and the signings and the lack of them and stuff. But up front, in a way, like going back a few years, you know, our front three was was Mane, Bobby and Mo. And, you know, at some point we brought Jota in. We've got Diaz last year. We've got Nunez in the summer. We've got Cody Gakpo now. That maybe um, in some parts of the pitch, maybe we are doing some kind of planning where we're trying to... Um, you know, rather than have like a sudden drop off in in talent, they were trying to blend 
the new generation in with the old and just sort of try and, you know, let them gradually hand the baton over. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. That's, you know, and that's from the, from the, um, perspective of looking at the front three if it wasn't for injuries at the moment we'd have a frightening frightening front three in fact we'd have a good choice of front threes that people would be frightened by but just in midfield it feels like no one's actually sort of bothered to think about the midfield like we sold genie and that was the last bit of thought that went into our midfield i don't know if i'm exaggerating but you know we, we're not we're asking too much if we think Harvey Elliott as a young lad can come in and be the answer to midfield problems because he's a player for the future who's got a lot about him now, but he's still a player for the future. You know, what, what else are we doing in the midfield? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. You know, we let, we let Genie go. We know that Naby's probably going to have injury problems unless we're very lucky and it changes. I think he's going to be a player that always, always has them. Henderson, people love him, people hate him, but whether you love him or hate him, you know, that his best days are probably behind him and he is getting older and you can't ask him to play 90 minutes week in, week out. Fabinho, I think, is the same. I don't think him doing 90 minutes week in, week out is a, a realistic thing. And even Thiago, it's, it's asking a lot to sort of keep playing him. So even even without getting onto the quality of the players we've got, we've not got players, I think, that can come week in, week out. And we don't seem to have any sign whatsoever unless those you know those England camp photos that we were talking about are true we don't seem to have any real solid plans to sort that midfield out yeah it, it's, it's concerning it's, there's no lie like, uh, whatever your outlook as a, a fan is on the midfield options and the approach from the recruitment team slash ownership or whatever, um, whether you're you know, FSG out or FSG in or transfer committee plus or transfer committee negative, um, you, you, you'd have to be a fool to deny that the midfield is the massive you know, red flag in our team at the moment. And it doesn't really matter who we put in there at the moment. It just seems we're bereft of legs in terms of getting about the pitch. That We seem so one-paced. We seem open. Um, and you know, if you're an opposition coach or analyst, then you know it, it wouldn't take much of a qualification to say, "Look, th- these lads in the middle of the park, whoever they put out there, they, they can't keep up with you. Therefore, play through them. Whether that's running with the ball, or you know, you're chipping the ball over the top of them, or whatever. There, there just seems to be so much gaps, and it it's frightening how we've sort of developed that." In the short space of time, arguably eighteen months or so, we, well, you know, if we if we look back eight nine months ago, we we were potentially on for a unprecedented quadruple. But is it is it a case that that literally was the max that those lads in the team could go to? Was did we max them out mentally, physically, emotionally? Mm-hmm. That they've they've just actually hit the top and they've literally come off the other end of the cliff and they can't get back there. I don't know. There's obviously a, a conversation to be had about that. We we strongly went after two of many in the summer, and anyone who did watch the World Cup would be lying to themselves if they didn't say he was an absolute talent and someone who really would have made a difference. But again, bringing it back to Wijnaldum and the, the Dutch theme, we we let him go, and again, as we said with with Kouten, you know, even Van Dijk was kind of other than you know like freak injuries. 
those lads turned up, was fit every week, put in 90 minutes, put in a shift, and were able to, you know, maintain a, a very good level of fitness and consistency of performance. And that's all we seem to be lacking is the the consistency. Like we, as we said with the defence, we we don't seem to be able to string together the same midfield every mm. week. Obviously, that's been a topic that COP has always chopped and changed, whether it's to be keep keep players fresh and keep them on their toes or whatever. But at the moment, it just seems it's fitness dependence and whatever lads are fit, then you're the ones that go out on the pitch. And, you know, the the, the players you mentioned, you missed a couple off in terms of like, you know, we're, we're still rolling out James Milner. And yeah, I was just thinking, yeah. We, we shouldn't be doing that. I, to, to his credit, what a career he's had, but I think he was 37 a day or two ago. He shouldn't be starting for Liverpool anymore in, in the nicest way possible. I, He's probably got twenty minutes yeah. of decent football in him, and he's an emergency. He's an emergency starter. You'd maybe throw yeah. him in the FA Cup. It's like I dare, you I'd know. be happy to see him tomorrow, but that wouldn't be, you know, anything against him. But then you wouldn't want to see him in our following league game. Do we have to start against Brighton? Because let's be honest, what they did to the F the other night, they'll they'll blow us out the water. But mm. I. Oxley Chamberlain, we, we've deployed them in midfield, we've deployed them left wing, and again, he just looks a shadow of a footballer that we once had. Curtis Jones can't seem to maintain a consistent level of fitness. Harvey Elliott's coming for a bit of flack at the moment, which is very harsh for the, the kid, but yeah. we're putting him into a position that he shouldn't be put in. I would expose them to these, you know, people who want to shoot people down like that. Um, he shouldn't be having to do this. He's the player who's featured in every game, I think I read the other day, whether that was every league game that Harvey Elias has featured, whether it be starter or substitute. He's 19, maybe 20 years of age and he's just come off a serious injury last year and learning his trade as a maybe a midfielder. I don't know what he, exactly he will be long term, but we're, we're putting him out there and we, we shouldn't have to be doing this. Um, and it... The word that comes to mind is negligence and whether that be, as I said earlier, recruitment, ownership, management or whatever. Um, we've neglected the midfield and it's 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 a bit of a worry of how much and how long it'll take to fix it. Yeah, and I think I was thinking this as well the other day that um like the, there's you can talk about financial fair play, so for example, we we will we'll we'll and complain about the money that Man City get and the money Newcastle are now getting and all the rest of it. But, you know, we were embarrassed by Brentford and although they're not paupers, you know, compared to some teams, if you like, from you'd expect to kind of be at the lower end of the table, not that they're going to be there the way they're playing, then that that isn't a team that's got unending amounts of money. That That's a team that we should be well and truly blowing out the water financially in terms of a signing. So, you know, what what kind of winds me up as well is that you want, ideally, you want sort of a first-choice 11 that's full of absolute marquee signings. That would be, you know, the ideal world. And even on the bench, some more marquee signings that are going to come in and help out, if needs be, give you a bit of room for rotation. But to me, what you also need is the sort of lower end of the scale players that, are okay that are proven that have shown they can do it in the, in the big leagues that maybe are a little bit older but not ancient you know um they shouldn't maybe don't have the number three at the front of their age maybe in, maybe in the still in the 20s and plays that you can at least call on when there are injuries that are going to be okay for you that are going to 
they've got the experience and the sense and all the rest of it. And we don't even seem to find them. Um, you know, I think, say, Costas is a good backup to, to Robbo at left back. Have we got at the moment a good backup to Trent? You could say Joe Gomez, but then we're needing him in as a backup in the centre. And, you know, but in midfield, we've not got, we've not got any sort of sense, I don't think, to go out and look at, okay, if we can't go out and spend big, let's go and spend some money at least and get something in there. But I just feel, I don't know anyone at all at some point when they're talking about Liverpool who actually doesn't mention that there are problems with the midfield. I don't, I can't think of anyone who sort of defends the club over its policy about the midfield. So if everyone else can see it, I just don't see why the club can't see it. And, you know, it's sort of, there must be a massive elephant in that transfer committee room. Must be with midfield written on it and just no one can see the elephant in the room. It, what's, what's a bit of a worry is we've allowed players, I think, to move to other clubs who we could have got. So if, if we're all honest, like our, our golden transfer sort of price range is between 30 and 40 million. Yeah. Give or take. And obviously we've seen Gapo come in at 37, rising to 40 quarter, I think it was. Um, and obviously you'd have outliers, the likes of Virgil, the likes of Alisson, the likes of Darwin in the last, you know, five, six years. But, you know, we hit that mark for so many players and it's what we sort of like to target. If you look around players who've moved into the Premier League in the last 12 months, the likes of Gamera's at Newcastle, Buketa at West Ham, Nunes at Wolves, who we'll come on to in a mm. minute, they've all moved for between 30 and 40 million. And those lads are all fully-fledged internationals. Two of them went to the World Cup with Brazil. Okay, World, the World Cup with Brazil didn't pan out how they wanted to. But, you know, they're not any sort of mugs as players. And have we let them slip through our hands? Or could we not have got 30 million quid out the bank and said, okay, well, we'll have you instead. And they're at, they're that golden age of between, you know, 23 and 27, where our midfield just seemed to be a couple of teenagers or lads who were 30 plus because mm. there's nothing in the middle. And as you were saying, no sort of backups that those lads could have come in rotation options or whatever. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. And you can then, with all due respect, fade the lights of Milner, uh, Henderson, Thiago out the team over the next year or two. And you've got a lad who's ready, able, experienced enough at 22, 23, 24 years of age to then carry the baton for the next four or five years, allowing the likes of Harvey Elliott at 19 to then develop when he's ready, you know, like give him the opportunity to 
to learn a trade. So in again two or three years' time, he's then at the age and the baton is then, you know, being passed on naturally, not forced into his hands and saying, Go ahead, son, and see what you can do with it. Yeah, and the other thing as well, like I think something you said then about Curtis, and you you were talking about Ox. I mean, Ox, Ox is an older player, so maybe he's the player that that should be sort of expecting to be played wherever he's put. I mean, I think I remember when Arsenal were before they sold him, there were people complaining about about him being played as a a wing back, so he can kind of play in in many different positions and stuff. And I'm sure, I mean, if he got a run of games, we'd find out whether he was. Um, ever going to get back to any kind of level that he had before? It's it's hard to tell. He's had so much time out of the game. Maybe he's never going to get anything close to his old levels. If he did, he would be an amazing player to have around, and he'd probably be picked first choice every game if he was playing that to that extent. But it's like you're talking about Harvey and about Curtis and what the best position is. They're not getting a chance to find out because they're kind of getting lumped into one position here, one position there. They're being asked to sort of fill a hole when. You know, I sometimes wonder, would we not be better sort of saying, stick them in the position that's probably their best position and let the others sort of adapt? You know, the, the more experienced players maybe adapt. Because it feels like we're just um, we're just diluting what they've got. And that, I think that's going to hit us eventually. Sooner or later, that's going to hit us. And um, it's, it's just one of those things, isn't it? I think the other, the other side to that is when you've got a really good squad and you throw a couple of these players in now and again, they're, they're surrounded by great players who can kind of you know, help cover for any mistakes they make, help them learn. You know, there's, it's not the end of the world if they don't quite get something right because there's enough quality around them. And I don't feel like we're getting that at the moment. But um, maybe look forward a little bit then, or unless you're listening to this the week after we've recorded it, in which case you can kind of laugh at how much we got wrong. But we're, we're recording this the day before the FA Cup, third round. Um, it's not a tournament, a competition I'm mad on. But that's because I grew up watching Liverpool under Bob Paisley and we never did any well, any good when Bob Paisley was our manager in the FA Cup. We just won everything else instead. But yeah, FA Cup. Um, this is the point where you really don't want to go out. You don't want to go out in the third round. You can kind of live with not being in it later on in the season. And maybe the last thing we need later on in the season is an FA Cup run because maybe we're really going to be needing to knuckle down and concentrate on the two big trophies. But it is the FA Cup's third round. What would you do? Would you stick out your strongest team? Have we even got an option to do anything else? Um, I would probably go about 80%. Um, I don't think we've got much else to yeah. rotate with. Like, there's, there's the obvious rotation pieces. Like You could obviously say Cueven Keller is going to start in goal. Yeah. Uh, as the cup keeper, there'd be a potential discussion to give Calvin Ramsey a run out at right back. Um, be good we're short. Else, yeah. We're short, obviously, in in, in centre half. So we've got to just manage the lads and make sure they don't pick up any injuries. But um, we've obviously mentioned Gakpo. It would do no harm in Darwin Nunes maybe getting a, a run out and, and getting a goal and just you know give him a little bit of a confidence boost. Um, I don't know what what we've got available in the field. It'll just be whoever's there and available. And, there's a you know an opportunity to say like the likes of Ben Doak or Bobby Clark or Basatich to to get a few minutes um, because you do question where those lads will get minutes. Not that we we should be playing them it, it, because we we have to you know the the talented kids and if we can give them a few minutes here and there then that's always nice to see and 
a home FA Cup tie is as good a tie as any. Um, I'm on the fence in terms of how I want us to do. Mm. Um, because if we're realistic about our, our our fortunes this season, it's probably maybe our best option of a trophy. Yes. Um, the, the league's gone and... Um, the Carabao's gone. The Carabao's gone and the Champions League against Real Madrid. Well, we've hardly had the best record against them in recent times in the European Cup. So maybe it's our best option for a trophy. And we've, we've always said like Liverpool at Wembley, Anfield South as it's tagged. Is always a great experience and a great day out and the memories from last season although it was a navy affair with the penalties and stuff it it doesn't shy away from how good a trip to Wembley is and uh, it, it it's, a, it's a competition that could be there to be won like I know we, we sort of mentioned this going into the Carabao Cup game against City that it was there to be to be won because we would have been in the last eight had we have progressed and the teams that were left in the competition we would have fancied our chances against pretty much any of them um, and the FA Cup draw you know throws up giant killings as, as the media like to tag it and there's there's a tasty tie of Man City Chelsea at the weekend so one of the you know again big boys in quotation marks is going to go out and it does open up a competition for you know lesser teams to have a run and you, you just never know um, but I think it also is a slight embarrassment to, to go out in the third round especially at home to Wolves we've done it around about six or seven years ago um, we went out to Wolves in the third round and I can only remember that because I was wandering around Hamburg in the freezing cold trying to find a place that was showing the game <laughs> and I ended up watching on my phone on some dodgy Wi-Fi and I, I wish I hadn't spent two hours of my life doing it uh, so that's my last memory of Wolves in the FA Cup. And, you know, we've mentioned before recent derby games, um, obviously the, the Virgil Heather and the Curtis Jones uh, winner a couple of years ago as well. Like home games in the FA Cup, just a little bit of a magic feeling. And that, that sounds cliche because of the magic of the FA Cup. But there is something nice about this this trophy, this tournament, and, and the third round, especially when, you know, you get potential ties of teams that may never normally feature obviously us against Wolves is is a is a fiction in the Premier League but if you if you went through the fixture list there'll be there'll be games out there see to remember I think it was last year maybe the year before when Marine hosted Tottenham. Yeah. You know, little tiny club in the, the north end of Liverpool with probably got an average attendance of less than a thousand and you know, Harry Kane and Tottenham were getting changed pretty much in a porter cabin and, and playing against someone's back garden. It's yeah. It's that little thing that's niche about the FA Cup that we all love. Yeah, they came um, they came to Merseyside again. I don't know if it was the same year or a different year, but they were they played Tranmere as well, didn't they? And um, I mean, it's not quite getting changed in the car park, but you know, compared to sort of you know, compare Prenton Park to Anfield, and you know, totally different feel about the place. I mean, actually, I went to a few Tranmere games actually, and it reminded me of going to football back in the olden days and when the old standing cop and that sort of. That ability that people have to just turn up and go to a game rather than having to sort of book tickets and try and get tickets and try and wangle tickets and then, you know, go and sit on their own in the ground half the time because, you know, you can only get single tickets off someone and stuff like that. All that, you know, they, it, it felt different in that in that sense with um, the game at, uh, games at Tranmere. And I, I know when they were in the FA Cup against Spurs, it was just such a massive game. I think against Wolves, it is just a kind of an extension of the Premier League in a way that we're playing them. It's not... 
it's not the Premier League, obviously, but it's with the two teams playing each other, it's going to be like that. I was just looking at the fixtures as well, and I mean, surprisingly, we've actually got no games then for a week. We play them on the Saturday, and then it's another week till we play Brighton. So I'm not sure how that gap managed to sneak into the calendar. And there's another gap then of another week till we play Chelsea. So unless this thing I'm looking at is missing games, I'm assuming that it's because there's no uh, Carabao Cup for us. I'm guessing one of those midweeks would have been taken by that at least. And there's also, of course, maybe room for a replay. So that gap that we're talking about between the Brighton game and the Chelsea game, maybe that won't happen if we draw against Wolves. If there's if there's replays this year, I can't remember. I lose track with all the way they changed the rules. But I think having that week, and there's almost a week before we play it, you know, we played Monday, playing against Saturday. To me, that lends itself to us sort of almost saying, and I'm torn as well, but rather than sort of have a mad rotation is to say, get these lads out there and get them in front of the home fans to kind of almost apologise. I don't mean put in an apology of a performance. I mean, you know, say sorry to the fans and say, we were shit, we didn't do enough, we were crap, and it's time we did something good and time we put everything into a game, show what we're made of and, you know, maybe almost relaunch ourselves in the first home game of the new year, get get out there and get 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 a good result, get through to that next round. And take something into that Brighton game that maybe shows that we're not ready to be walked over by Brighton because that is not going to be an easy game. But again, it's it's tough choices, isn't it? And I think it doesn't help with all the injuries and stuff that's going on that you wonder how many players have got niggles. So it's going to be fun to see. But I think, I, I mean, I as I said, I'm not mad on the FA Cup from when I was younger. It was like never the big thing. But, you know, there's been too many, too many nice times in the FA Cup to look back on. Um, one that springs to mind as well, just quickly, is the FA Cup final where we looked like we were wearing Wolves kits. The one where um, Owen got his goals. Two thousand and one. Yeah, the, the was that the was that the was that the Stefan Hon show handball and all the rest of it. That was um, yeah. That was that was a good final. That's one that sticks in your mind, and that's the thing about the cup, isn't it? Early round games maybe don't stick in your, in your mind quite so much, but if you make it all the way. There's memories to be made at Wembley South, uh, Anfield South down at Wembley. So hopefully we can we can do something. Just um, looking a little bit further ahead, then uh, you just you sort of alluded to it earlier against against Everton, Brighton. They just they changed manager, but they seem to have got better. And is there anything do you know? Is there anything we can borrow off them? <laughs> Not so much players, but. The way they're doing things, do you know what I mean? Maybe I mean, if we can borrow players, don't get me wrong. I'm sure, we could find room for them in our squad, a lot of them. But is there? Is there, what is it that they're doing that's making them work so well? Because they're not. I don't think they're a loaded club as such, are they? I don't think they're spending massive amounts from what I can remember. So, you know, what is it they're doing that's that's working so well? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. 
These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Um, well, I'll, I'll answer your first couple of things. Uh, the FA Cup will go to replays from the third round. Right. So not this midweek after this third round, but the week after is scheduled for those replays. Okay. This coming up midweek is the EFL slash Carabao quarterfinals. Right. So that's why those midweeks are kept free. Um, just to do a little bit of admin there. Thank you. Um, <laughs> for Brighton, I think they've just got a structure. And we, I was speaking to this, funny enough, with the uh, the, the Evertonian in work who I have a, a lot of conversations with. And obviously they were on the receiving end of a Brighton <laughs> spanking the other night, which I didn't let go quietly because I went into work on Tuesday morning, first day back and was laughed at for our performance at Brentford. Mm. And I said, well, let's just see how you do tonight. And I walked in on Wednesday, and I didn't even have to sign on, and I was told to shut up. Um, <laughs> so I think my luck said it all. Um, but yeah, they were, they were shot down quickly by the Seagulls, um, or shot on, however you want to look at it. <laughs> um, but I think what we were saying with Brighton is like, there was sort of remind us a little bit of maybe Swansea of a few years ago, where they might go through a couple of managers, but the ethos of the club and, you know, the the way that they run, the the mentality of how they want to play football remains the same. Um, they might not have a team full of superstars, but they've got a team full of players who work for each other and work as a team. Um, they have a style of play and, you know, the chances are some of them players will eventually be, be taken off you. Um, there is obviously links to the lad in midfield, Caicedo, who, mm. who looks a real talent, but, you know, like some McAllister who's shone in the World Cup for Argentina. Um, they lost Cucurella and Ben Weiss over recent years, but they don't exactly sell for pennies. Like Tony Bloom is a man who knows what he wants and it's usually a lot of money and mm. nine times out of ten he gets it. And they reinvest very well. If you look at how, how much they spend on players or how much they sell for, then they're a very efficient run business. Um, they do the right things. They've they've got a decent little ground down there, and from all accounts, they've got a a very community based uh, sort of fan base and ethos where they wear hand in hand with the club. So yeah. it just all in all looks like a very well run setup, and I'm sure there is a lot of things that we could take from them. Like you know, just looking at, for example, the community aspect, it does seem like there's. There's a massive disconnect between the fans and the club at Liverpool and whether that's, you know, they, they, they think they're too big for the fan base. And if anything, that is what makes Anfield special for so many opposition players and managers is yeah. is the fans. And we were saying earlier on about how we sort of crumble in, you know, intimidating away grounds. And it shouldn't really be a feature because... When we play at Anfield, it's something that maybe our players thrive on. And why would you, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's a psychological thing that you just can't get over that because it's not your home surroundings mm-hmm. and setting and the home field advantage thing. But I, I'm impressed with them and I'm genuinely worried <laughs> I, yeah. when we play them. And I was joking when I said to the Everton lads in work, like when they were going into that fixture, like these could turn you over. I didn't think they'd turn them over as much. And, 
they did and as convincingly as they did. But I was like, they could turn you over, like, you know, 2-0, 3-1 or something like that. But I, I don't know if, the, if he stayed. He didn't want to speak much about it. I don't know if he stayed to see the consolation goal for Everton because a lot of them, you know, went early. Um, yeah, you could say, yeah. As it was us. You can't say, as it was us. You can't say, oh, it's, it's half empty. The ground's already half empty because it kind of is before it starts, isn't it? But anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was just, it was a small tonic. To, to, to what's been happening if ever in life um, to steal a sailing from, from me late nan who passed away just before Christmas it, she would always say I oh, don't worry about be son there's always someone worse off yes. and and that was just the mentality of, of her and you know if you, if you take that into a Liverpool ethos don't worry about yourself just look across the park they're worse off and it just tends to be the case 99% of the time yeah. it's always true Matter how bad you feel, matter how how low you think things have got for your club, there's always everything to just give you a reminder of how bad things really could be, isn't there? It's amazing how they always do it for us. It's, um, you know, and we've got to thank them for that. I mean, I don't know how they managed to do it and how they've managed to do it for so long, but it's it's one thing I'll say about them that's built into that club, isn't it? That, you know, it's that kind of standard thing that they look at us, they laugh at us when th- something's happened to us. And the something that's happened to us is usually way off the scale of anything they can dream of at the moment. And then the next day, he just comes and hits them back in the face. And surely you'd learn in the end. I mean, I okay, I can remember being younger and laughing at people who had bald heads. Lo and behold, I ended up going bald. And there's loads of examples like that. So I've learned not to laugh too much at other people's misfortune. But Everton, they just love to laugh and... It, the, the times they cheer us up, it's like, I don't know. I'm just grateful for them. You know, they get they get us through some of the dark days, don't they? Yeah, it, it it's just there. It, it it's like it's free money, as they say, or you know, taking taking candy from a baby, the old American saying sort of thing. It's always just an opportunity, and we record on Friday afternoon. And my friend is going to Old Trafford tonight with nine and a half thousand of them. And he's taking his young lad. And I was like, you sure you want to do this? Because the last team, last FA Cup game you took him to, it was Hull. And you got beat and you got knocked out. And you all turned on Rafa last season. Is this going to be the one when you all turned on, like on Frank? And he said, it very well could be. Um, and, you know, Frank was the man who got them. He was the one who understood them. He was the, you know, the one who shouted the clock and the one who was... You know, going to take them places he had a plan. Um, how quickly that can all fall apart. Uh, I, I, I said, I wish you the best in terms of, you know, you get there and back safely because I can't see you coming out of the way with other than a spanking. Um, and no matter what happens to us in the FA Cup and whether this is at the point of release when we've won, we've lost or we've drew, I'm pretty sure we can be confident in saying we've probably not done as bad as Everton have done. And that, that's the always the bit, little crumb of comfort, no matter how bad things are, you're never as bad as them. And that's the thing, if they if they do come through the win against the Manx, you know that they're going to go out in the next round to Rotherham. You know, it's just... Oh, yeah. That's, that's kind of what, what happens with them. And um, it's kind of a no-lose game for us, that one. You know, unless it's a, unless it's, there's a draw, that would be a bit of a lose then, because you'd have to see it again. But, you know, whoever wins, there's going to be something to laugh at in some way or other, isn't there? Because, you know, people argue who's the biggest rival, who 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 do you hate the most out of them, the Manx and the Bitters, sorry, the, the Everton. And I don't know, the, the, to me, the Derby's the bigger game because it's just so much going on it locally. But 
I don't know, usually the game against the Manx is the more meaningful game in terms of what it means for the league. But at the moment, yeah, the league's nothing. So these and it's and it's a cut weekend, so it's just um it's just good. Good what football's all about is not so much being angry and things, but you know, which is someone needs to tell a lot of Everton fans that. But it's just about having a laugh, isn't it? Enjoying it. If it gets you down, it gets you down, but there's always something to laugh at. Um talking of laughing at, I'm sick of people laughing at Darwin. I think we've spoken about it before. Um I know he's not kind of hit the ground running and scored goals every game, but it's still the same sort of agenda almost against him. Like you watch any game on the telly and the commentary's kind of there's like a big row of stats ready to to slag him off with. There's fans calling him a shit Andy Carroll and all this lot. I mean, I loved the Villa game. It was Boxing Day. I think I did Raw. And I just remember thinking, yeah, that shit Andy Carroll's just um, just set up the goal, hasn't he? You know, it's that... It's, I don't know what... I'm, I'm getting a bit bored with it all, to be quite honest. But have we got any reason to be worried about Darwin? I, I don't think so. I, I love him. Yeah. Um, I... He probably doesn't even understand what people are saying when they're calling him a shit Andy Carroll. <laughs> like, he can barely string a sentence of English together. I can imagine at this moment, I know he, there was a story today, him and Luis Diaz are doing English lessons, and I, I'm i not fluent in any other language, and I'm sure it would take me a while to learn something else. So, you know, I'm sure it's taken Darwin and Luis Diaz a while to, to pick up, you know, enough English to understand what a horde of, you know, brainless idiot to call him a shit Andy Carroll. He probably didn't even know who Andy Carroll is no. um, to, to be compared to him. Um, you know, he, he's going to have one of these games soon where he's going to bang a hat-trick and all of a sudden like, the the doubters will be will be shut up. It, it, it screams very much like the Trent sort of mm. media narrative, you know, like Gary Neville can't wait to, you know, Say how bad a right back is Trent as well. Hang on a minute, mate. Like you, you were carried by David Beckham and Yapstam and Rio Ferdinand for years, and you were covered up and left in that little corner of Old Trafford to protect yourself and whatever. Is, yeah, like, he's ex- exact example of what I was saying before about having a good squad, and then you've got one who's maybe not so great. If the rest of the, the rest of the team's great, you can cope with the odd player that's not, which is yeah. how Gary Neville made his name. Yeah, and I, it's just as you say. It's media narrative. Like, I seen a, a clip this morning, maybe or last night. You know, Marcus Rashford miss, misses this season. There's some howlers in there. Like, mm. and, you know, because he's England's Marcus Rashford, that's overlooked. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I, he's probably banged. I think two or three more goals, and that's because he's in a bit trained form at the moment, Marcus Rashford. But I, I would, I would have confidence in at the end of the season if you were to lay together Marcus Rashford versus Darwin Nunes stats. There'd be very few and far between them, and one of them will be labelled as having a great season. The other one will be labelled as a flop. Um, it's as we all know, and we've said it many, many a time. Liverpool create headlines in the media because they, they like to just put the boot in, whether it be as a city, whether it be politics of the establishment, or whether it be as football as people, whatever. It just draws the attention of everyone else, and they can't help but have a little dig and have a little pop. We've seen it all before. We're big enough, we're wise enough to it. Um, it's a shame when you see some of the fan base, you know, sort of questioning it. They should know better than that. But then, are they really fans if they're not backing the lads? Um, I just think he he's going to be fine. It might take a year or so, but he causes enough chaos. And yeah. watching recently, 
Darwin Nunes is doing a lot more for me than what Mo Salah is doing on the pitch. Mm. And that isn't a dig on Mo Salah saying he's he's being lazy or not, but Darwin is not for one a lack of effort and he is catching my eye in the ground watching the football the more than Mo Salah is. And that is just, you know, if you can be put up on that pedestal to say like, you know, I'm comparing you to Mo Salah who's arguably been one of the greatest players in the world over the past three or four years. If I think you are, you know, exceeding him or you're catching my eye more than him, whether that's Mo Salah not performing at his best, then you're doing something right, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. He's, he's, I mean, the other thing I love about him is there's always a smile on his face. Whatever has just happened, there's pretty much always a smile on his face, which says a lot. He's enjoying himself. And that chaos thing as well, it kind of almost takes us back to what's sort of become the main theme of this episode, which is that how much we're lacking in other parts of the pitch, whether it's players not playing to the best or players best not being good enough. But the amount of chaos he causes, if we had decent players coming in from midfield with a bit of a sort of, you know, top of the game, brain in full gear, they know that the chaos he's causing means there's good chance there's going to be some scraps for them to pick up. If, you know, someone like Jota was was fit at the moment, I'm sure he'd be poaching off the back of stuff that Nunez is, is causing with that chaos. So I think long term, definitely, we've got a hell of a star there in front of us. And, you know, in years to come, I think people have sort of almost forgotten they came out with all this stuff. It's it's just how we how how football is. People love to have a dig at others. I mean, in a way, I suppose we do it with Everton, but they're easy pickings, aren't they? And um, I'm sure even Evertonians moan and laugh at Nunes, don't Time be thinking. Excuse me. I hope you're having a good day. Why you just Google do that? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's twice now. I need to kill it. <laughs> it's been a difficult start to the year, definitely, but. Ever the optimist, I'm sure that it'll get better. Um, it's probably the kind of thing that Prince Charles and Prince William are saying now about Prince Harry, because that's kind of what's dominating the headlines here at the minute. That um, I don't know the full story. I think one brother hit the other brother, and um, the brother who got hit shouldn't have told anyone and stuff like that. It all sounds a bit, all sounds a bit strange. But you know what's good? It's it's keeping. Um, it's good for the government because it's keeping all the misgivings and all the dodgy deeds off the front pages. So it's all. All good timing, isn't it, the way it's all done? But um, football is the thing that we escape to. I've actually, I don't know about you, Jay, I've had to escape from football for the last week or so, but I I, I don't know, it's a thing we go back to. I'd rather be angry about football than real life because it is only football. And I think football is a thing that, that, that holds everything together for us, doesn't it? And I'm still hopeful. Are you? Are we going to? Are we going to, you know, just just finish things off? Are we going to have a good 2023, do you think? Can we start it this weekend? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. 
or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Well, without hope, there's nothing really, is there? Mm. Um, I, I, I sincerely wish we do. Um, and, you know, we all know what's missing, um, whether it be, you know, potential incomings, potential, you know, injury returns or whatever. But I think, you know, if, if you put your realist head on, we, we, we get so much greatness last season only to fall short in a couple of, you know, narrow situations that, you know, this team has, has, has built so much and we've got a lot of talent there that it would be a travesty for us to not achieve anything of a positive note this season and whether that be, you know, a potential run in the FA Cup, a potential run in the European Cup or just, you know, we, we rally ourselves to the end of the season and, and finish as high as we possibly can on the table, whether that be you know, second, third, fourth, hopefully in one and positions rather than, you know, outside of the Champions League because that, that's the bread and butter where we want to be regardless of the finances. You don't want to be playing in the Europa League next season. You do want to have like ties like we've got coming up in February against Real Madrid to look forward to every season. Like, with all due respect, you're not getting excited for ties against Sturm Graz. Like, Back end of Christmas, you want to you want to face the big boys, so you need to be in a big competition. I am hopeful that we can get maybe one more in this season, maybe two in the in, sorry in the January window, tighten up a little bit, and you know who knows we we've had January signings that have kicked us on and sort of give us the boost that we needed, and you know again Dutch link Virgil Van Dijk sort of took us to that next level. Hopefully. The signing of Cody Gappo is something like Luis Diaz last year, where it was that extra bit of spark, a bit of excitement. The lad who got you off your seat, um, and you know, excited to see someone, and you know, ever the optimist in in, in this moment, and see that we we have a positive end to the season because you know, as you said at the beginning of the pod, you look back on the last year and you, you're also a cloud by the sort of the the end of months of the year rather than what happened in the beginning. Um, and, you know, it was certainly not the brightest end of the year. So you, you hope that the next one is going to be brighter than the last. Definitely. And I think I think just thinking about it as well, okay, leaves out the question, forget about the top two positions, they're not going to happen for us. But everyone below that and around us is capable of losing games and has done, has done dropping points. We can pick points up against them. There's definitely a really good chance we can have a run in, proper run in and aim for that Champions League spot or our Champions League spot. And we need it because not only all the things you said about the Champions League, the Europa League theme will not get you the hearse standing up on the on your arms, will it? It's just not. You don't get goosebumps after Europa League theme, whatever it is. But the Champions League theme just has that. So many memories sort of embedded in it. So we need to hear more of that at Anfield again next season. The FA Cup definitely, definitely, definitely got a possibility of doing something on that. And I think that's the thing. Looking forward to what we've got for this part of the season, for this year, for what's left of the season is there's a lot of run-ins. There's a possibility of lifting a trophy. And, of course, across the park, there's still that possibility of watching them lift a dog as they battle relegation again. So <laughs> it's good years are going to come in front of us now. Yeah. I just can't wait. So 
Yeah. They might have to summon like the entry winner from the Grand National and parade that round with us, and you know, entries in April. Yeah, running of the season, like we'll have to look great from a dog. Let's get like you know the red rum statue and roll that down the street to Goodison Park or something. And, you know, anything we can get down there to you know rally some support <laughs> for the troops or whatever they can. But at that point, it might just be too late um, yeah. because the way they're going, he's not as good as Rafa. And I think that's the best thing you can say to any blue nose. If you bump into them, whether it be in the street, the pub, or your workplace, or whatever, online, Frank has got a worse record than Rafa. God, yeah. Imagine the dilemma if you ask him, would you have Rafa back? Because that, that would, the faces would drop. Because they wouldn't have him back, obviously, but if they would sort of let their heads come into it a bit, they might be better now with Rafa than um, carrying on with Frank. But um, it's good fun. That's the thing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for um, listening to us all last year. I hope you'll listen to us all this year. I hope we've got loads more happy things to talk about and as well as sort of that sort of weekly dose of whatever Everton have made us laugh at. But for now, that's been us. That's been Scouser Tommy's. That's, I'm Jim Boardman. I've been with Jay Reed. And again, thanks for listening. Enjoy the game and see you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index. And find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.